0: Good morning, WCF. Let's all stand to our feet. Look at your neighbors, say you look a little thinner since the last time I saw you. <laughs> all right, high five that one around you. Good morning, good morning, good morning. All you that are watching by livestream, we're honored that you're here today, connecting in with us, we're expecting God just to do great things with all of us today. You can be seated. Okay, let's go back a little bit right now, 28 years ago and I have such incredible children, Pastor RJ, Melissa, Tara, Tim, all the, Brian, all the kids were all in the house at at their time, and Dad gets this brilliant brainstorm that we're gonna have the kids, we're gonna give all the staff at WCF the day off, okay, for Christmas Day, and the kids are gonna do the worship. Isn't that a great idea? I mean, they're gifted with the guitar, they're gifted with the trumpets, they're gifted singers and everything else. Dad thought it was a great idea, but how many know it turned out to be a nightmare? If you were at that service 28 years ago, I'm sure it's probably in your top one in the whole thing because it was total chaos, okay? I had this scripture that I was going to speak on from Luke chapter 2 that the angels, they came down and they were singing glory to God in the highest and peace and goodwill to all men. So I got my message all down. And on the stage, on the platform, the kids are all over it. Before the stage was even this big, they're all over there fighting like cats and dogs. They're going at it, and I'm saying, "Well, you guys calm down. We're in church, you know." And they're just going at it, and it's like there's no—it's just total chaos. And I'm like, "How do you handle this, God?" You know. And so then they started up in the worship, and if you'd have seen their faces, I wish I had the videotape of it to show you, Dong. It was probably one of the hardest days of my life because there was no peace there. And I'm tying that into the message this morning, okay, is that um, the kids used to ask me, Dad, what can we get you for Father's Day? Dad, what can we get you for your birthday? Dad, what can we get you for Christmas? Dad, Dad, what can we get you? And I had the same answer as long as they were in the house. And the answer never changed, and the gift never changed, and what I asked for never changed. And it was a peace in the house. Now they're all out of the house, and they understand it now. How many learned a little bit how important peace is in the house? I'm saying all that because we're talking in the series on the emotion of peace. And when it's there, you know it's there. But when it's not there, you know it's also not there. And how many know sometimes in life we have to recognize that life isn't always fair? There's a woman that lived. She's actually the oldest Canadian, to our knowledge, that has ever lived over here. Okay? And she just died, actually, on June, I think it was, June twenty, June 5th, and her name, was, uh, her name was Dolly Ellen, actually, Gibb, okay, Dolly Gibb, and she lived to be 114 years of age. How many could say that's a long life? Okay, 100, some of you may have read about it. So when I see somebody that lives that long, I want to find out why. Actually, there's only eight other people. I think she was the ninth oldest person in the entire world, and she lived over here in Canada, Okay. And this is what it said about this here woman. I actually found there was four characteristics that the media, the news, her family was all interviewed and was commenting about their grandmother and great-great-great-grandmother. And she has a daughter, I think, that's 80-some years that's still living. So anyway, this is what they said. In her obituary, they said, number one, that she was serene. Okay, that's the number one comment that they found about this Dolly, uh, this Dolly Gibb that she was serene. So I looked up the word serene, and it means she was calm. She was peaceful. She was tranquil. She was unruffled. Anybody in your life ruffle your feathers? Okay. Well, she was one that was unruffled. And so when I'm looking at it, of all the things that they could say about her, and this isn't a Christian article, this isn't a something from a message, this is just right from her obituary, and it said that she was serene, she was calm, she was peaceful, she was tranquil, and she was unruffled. Isn't it amazing if that's the number one thing that they recognize about it, that she lived to be 114 years of age? I believe the reality is many will not live a long life Is because they're ruffled at every little thing. They're not walking at peace. They're not calm. And they're far from tranquil. Come on, they need tranquilizers. They're gonna settle down. The second thing about her is that she was content. Content means the power of containing or holding capacity. In other words, she had it within her ability to blow up. She had it within her ability to pop. She had it within her ability, but she never yielded, and she controlled those aspects of her emotions with peace, if you want to term it as such, from the serenity, and it brought her to live a long life. And listen, she didn't have dementia. She didn't have Alzheimer's. She had all of her faculties. She actually died in a nursing home up in North Bay and was as alert as, they could, as anybody had ever recognized. Type her in and read all the stuff about her. And then the third thing about her, she was a grateful person And the fourth thing about her, she was positive. How many would like to have those four aspects of people saying that at your obituary as a Christian? Come on, that Rick was a peaceful, loving guy. Rick was just content in everything, you know? Rick was just, man, just so full of gratitude. And Rick, oh, man, this guy was just off the charts being positive, okay? Well, I think I got the last two down real good. The third one I'm working on a little bit on content. And the first one at times, traffic lights will always turn tell you what it's going to be, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. So she was born in Win- Winnipeg on April 25th, 1905. Now, there's something I want to bring out about her. A time when Wilfrid Laurier was the prime minister. And listen carefully, Alberta and Saskatchewan hadn't even joined the confederation at that time. Okay, now listen about this here about her also, okay? Dolly Gibb, again, was born. She lived through uh, uh, two world wars, the Great Depression, and countless other historical landmarks. So they wrote this about her also, but she didn't like to talk about any of that. So the writer, of the commentary that wrote all this stuff on the obituary actually asked the family, uh, I remember asking her once about the Titanic. I just sort of said, do you remember that? And she just looked at me and said, yeah, it sank. That's all she had to say. Said Brittany Dugan, one of Mrs. Gibbs' great-grandchildren. She was not someone who lived in the past. And if you look at those notes right over there, notice I highlighted that. Is that right? Okay, okay. Because I have recognized that people that want to live a long life, people that want to live a full life, People that want to thrive in life, want to succeed in life. People that want to break out in life. And as we sing the songs, break every chain in life, then they're going to have to recognize something that it's usually the past is where they are stuck. Okay, and I want to just share on this for a moment, okay? You need to not. we need to keep the peace of God In contentment that is not determined really by what's happening around us. What we have to understand, first of all, is God never gives us an instruction that we don't have the grace of God to fulfill it. What do I mean by that? God says, let the peace of God, allow the peace of God, permit the peace of God to rule in your hearts as an umpire. In other words, let it regulate your emotions. In other words, it's not determined by what's going on in all the circumstances around you. Because I don't know about you, but as Pastor R.J. and Mary read the, uh, Pastor R.J. and Mary read the scriptures this morning about be diligent to be found in him living peaceful lives. Come on. So there's a diligent aspect. The New Living says making every effort to be found in him living peaceful life, which is speaking of the times when the Lord comes back it's going to be great uh, chaos. It's going to be very chaotic. It's going to be very uh, un, un, unrestful. Nation's going to be rising against nation. Kingdom, ethnos group against kingdom with inside those ethnos groups fighting with one another. It's going to be uh, chaotic as we continue to go forth in the last days. I mean, I don't know about you right now, but I, I have a very difficult time even watching the news. Okay? Because you, you get stirred up with everything that's going on. All around the planet right now. Come on. But yet, Jesus told us this that in the world, He said, you will have tribulation, you will have difficulty, you will have challenges. But He says, be not afraid, I've overcome the world. And then he goes on and says, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. So God gives us a supernatural peace. Now, here's what you need to understand about God's peace. The peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's already deposited on the inside of you through the new birth. But that's the peace that, God, that we have with God. Come on. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, now being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How many know you can't get more peace with God other than what the cross of Christ did? It reconciled you to God. You can't get any more peace with God than what he's already given to you. But the reality is there's a peace that we have on the inside that God wants to manifest in and through our thinking and in and through our emotional realm. The Bible says, let the peace of God, and that's speaking about the peace inside, let it rule now to the emotions. Let it rule now to your thinking. Let it rule now to your behaviors inside and cut the reaction aspect out. But I've recognized in life out there, you can never come to maturity and develop God's peace inside of your life until you deal with some issues that have to be dealt with first and foremost, and it's called your past. Okay, here's what I mean by that. Uh, is there anybody here ever had somebody disappoint you? Just lift up your hand for a moment, okay? Wave it at me just a moment. Is there anybody here that's ever failed in life? Is there anybody here that's ever experienced the brunt end of abuse of whatever kind, whatever form or whatever shape it could be from browbeating, belittling, put-downs? Come on, wave, wave your hand. Okay, is there anybody here that's ever had hurts, been injured, and damaged in some area of your life? Okay, is there anybody here that's ever had, uh, made bad choices in your life? Is there anybody here that really doesn't care? Okay, no, okay. Is there anybody here, listen, that has to deal with the past, whether it's the fear of future, the fear of the unknown, the fear of tomorrow, the fear of yesterday, the fear of the choices, the fear of the... Con- anybody ever live with fear in your life? Okay, how about with resentments from decades ago? Kathy and I, we just got back a, a couple of weeks ago from Belfast. And many of you know some of the fighting that went on there for decades and decades over there in Belfast where they were bombing one another in the name of their religion. It was just so ridiculous that it had gone on. But yet the truth is, those seeds are still in the descendants today, and they're still talking about it, they're still feeling it, and there's areas in the city that you can't even, as a tourist, go into because the tensions and the tempers are still as high as they were even from 30 years ago. And that's the reality of the world that we're living in today, that this here resentment can actually even be generational, and it can affect your children, can affect your grandchildren, and the generation's all in. And is there anybody over here that's ever been betrayed? Come on. Anybody ever been rejected of any kind? Okay? Or how about uh, in the past, negativity? Destructive and bitterness and painful memories that we had, whether it was the loss of a child or the loss of a marriage or the the pain of betrayal, whatever it might be, we've all experienced these here things past insecurities, past defeats, and past experiences that we've all had with inside of our life. But the reality is, God is a master at taking the past, blocking it, listen very carefully, blotting it out, forgiving it of it uprooting it, learning from the mistakes, learning from the things that we had, and putting you on and turning a new page over in your book. As a matter of fact, let's just go to the scripture and talk about one individual now, and maybe I'll use some more personal experiences, and his name was the Apostle Paul. Prior to the Apostle Paul's conversion, okay? The apostle Paul was the one that consented, took his robe, and literally put it down to consent to the death of the first martyr of the church, Stephen, that actually lifted up his hands while they were stoning him. And he said, Father, forgive them. Come on. And how many know Paul was a recipient and heard of that forgiveness, which literally, I believe, was the springboard that set him up for the Damascus Road experience that he had later on in life. So here's the point that you need to all understand. Prior to that, the apostle Paul was the one that was known as the terrorist of the day. He was the one that would actually arrest Christians actually bring the fathers out in front of their wives, in front of their children, to the middle of the marketplace where all the business transaction went, where all the produce was sold, where you could buy all your supplies, you could get all your furniture and everything in the center of the market square, in the town hall. And he would actually tie their hands and tie their feet, and then they would beat them. They would strip them naked, and then they would just beat them on the pole. And many of the people, the Christians, died right there in front of him, in front of the children and saying, recant your faith, recant your faith, recant your faith, recant. And if they didn't, they were beat to a pulp and most of them died. That's the great apostle Paul in his history. But it's amazing in 2 Corinthians, he writes and he says, we have wrong no man. And I remember reading this years ago and saying, how can, how can this dude ever say he's wrong? No, man, this guy was brutal. Come on. But he was understanding something about the revelation of being made the righteousness of God in Christ, which I'm going to get at in a moment. So let's pick up on the apostle Paul and read from the scripture what he has to say about his life. And we're going to take it from Philippians chapter three, verse number 12. The Apostle Paul says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Another, the Apostle Paul saying, I haven't come to the place of maturity in my walk with God that I desire to be at, but he says, I'm on the process. I'm on the journey. Just like every one of us, I believe that is in this room, is in the journey of faith. Come on now. And we're in the process, if you want to term it of sanctification. We're being transformed daily into the very image of Christ where it's no longer you and it's no longer me and it's no longer our name or our title that counts, but it's his name and his life and his nature and his ability and his covenant and his promises and his goodness and his mercy and his faith. Come on, church. His new covenant, his new wineskin, his new oil in here, his healing power that's working in us. So the writer goes on and it says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Then he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. In other words, I haven't arrived yet. But he says this, but I focus. Isn't it amazing of all the terminologies that the apostle Paul could have used, he says, but I have focused, and I'm to notice, and focus literally means this here, the central point as of an attraction, the thing that I work and give my attention to, the thing that there's activity on on a day-by-day basis in this process, in this journey that's going on right now. This is the thing I focus on. The synonym means the heart of the issue. It means the center of the issue, the core of the issue, the nucleus of the issue. So what is it that the apostle Paul focused in on? He says, for I focus in on this one thing. It wasn't two things. It wasn't five things. It wasn't three things. It wasn't six steps. It wasn't 12 steps. It was one thing that he had to focus in on that was the nucleus of his attention, the nucleus of his mind renewal, and this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to that which lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He recognized that until he got to that place of processing his past, putting the past. And in Galatians, he writes, it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives on the inside of me. He recognized that there was life on the other side of death. He recognized that his past had imprisonment. His past is what barred him in. His past is what locked him in. Come on now. The writer Isaiah that Pastor R.J. and Mary again shared on today was quoting on the new heavens and the new earth. The writer goes on. He says, remember not the former things. Newer translation said, remember not the past Okay? And then he goes on and he says, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing and now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not comprehend it? Can you not see it? Can you not behold it? Is what the writer's saying. He said, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. In other words where there's no way possible in the wilderness to make a pathway to make a road I'm going to make a pathway. He said where it's dry and it's barren and I'm sensing there's men and women that are here today you're dry. You're dry in your walk. You're dry in your journey. And you're saying, God, why? Why am I dry? Why am I this way? Why is this going on? Why are some of the old behaviors that I got free of, why are they creeping back in again? And the Spirit of God is saying to you today, it's the Word. It's the Word, and it's the Spirit, listen very carefully, that are both wet, if you want to term it. and you can't be dry when you're endorsing yourself and bathing yourself by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, and that doesn't lead you to dry places. He leads you to living water, Come on now. But what happens is the enemy is a strategist, and he knows the people in your life. He knows the ones in your life that are setups that could come your way, Christian or non-Christian, workers or co-workers. He has people in your life that he knows that they can push your buttons, they can control your life. You're still stuck. You're still connected to them and they can be in the grave and they can be dead but until you deal with these issues inside of your life and like our Paul, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the things that are behind. You're not gonna get free of that thing. The writer in Corinthians says, if any man be in Christ, come on, he is a new creation. The whole reality that the apostle Paul brings in his teaching in the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters are everything that God has done for me and everything that God did for you at the cross. That's all he shares for three whole chapters. And then it shifts right in to chapter 4. Therefore, because of everything he has done, because of the appointment with God, because of the foreordination that God had, because he first loved you, because of the blood covenant, you're no longer this. This is who you are now. Everything is all there. And, and, and the Bible says, for by grace I saved safety, faith that not of works is both, For it's a gift of God. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good work. Everything is all tied in. Everything is all brought there. Then he releases his grace now so you're empowered to walk out the instructions. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all wrath. Get rid of all anger. Get rid of all evil speaking. Come on. And be imitators, being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. You have the ability. You have the power. But if you're still chained to your past, you will not walk in the peace of God in your emotion. Here's what the writer says. What does this all mean? If you focus on your shortcomings... If you focus on your failures, if you focus on your insecurities, and you focus on all the things that Paul talked about, okay then that's exactly what you are going to attract to yourself, because there's a law called in the spirit realm, the law of attraction. Whatever you focus your mind on, whatever you focus your attention to, is what you draw to you. You'll draw the other bitter people your way. You'll draw the other backsliders your way. You'll draw the other compromisers your way, because that's what you are focusing on. But if if you're focusing on the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, then sir, break out his yours. Heaven is yours. Success is yours. Victory is yours. There'll be a new trumpet sound in your mouth, and it's not going to be a trumpet sound of defeat. It's not going to be a trumpet sound of embarrassment, but it's going to be one of liberty in God. The Bible says in Christ, you have. Everybody stand up and say it with me. Follow after. Say, you have a new heart, a new nature, a new passion, a new language, a new salvation, a new start. A new hope, a new home, a new dream, a new purpose, a new unity, a new perspective, a new oil, a new wine, a new anointing, a new song, a new garment, a new tongue, a new commandment, a new name. There's a new heaven for you, a new Jerusalem. You have a new king, a new wineskin, a new covenant a new life, a new treasure deposited inside of you. There's a new order, a new message, a new assignment. Look around, say, new friends, new grace, new power, new doctrine, new resurrection, new priesthood, new righteousness. Now listen, listen, listen. There's not one thing here that speaks about the old other than forgetting the things that are behind and pressing forward to the things that are before. You will never break out of your prison, sir, ma'am, until you deal with the ax at the root of the tree of your past. Go ahead and be seated. Isaiah thirty-two, seventeen. The writer he looks into the future and he sees this here new creation. And, he's, and I'm summarizing this because there's so much of Isaiah 32 I'd like to preach on today. But for time, I gotta summarize it. And he says this here. The work, the work, the activity, the produce, the sphere, the influence, the work, the productive part, The creativity part. The work of righteousness. Come on. Listen. The work of righteousness will be peace. In other words, listen carefully. It's not working for our salvation. It's been paid for by the blood of the Son of God. And you can't add to it and you can't deter from it. But listen carefully now. Listen. There's a work now of righteousness that is living on the inside of us. And what I've recognized many, many years ago is that I don't earn it, I don't deserve it, but by the grace and mercy of God that he gave to me, come on, I'm here today. And so are you. Now, here's the thing. The Bible says we're changed from glory to glory. That's a metamorphosis. That's the transformation that goes by that is right into the depths of your emotions. This gospel is not just meant to hit your spirit, man. That's where God dwells. That's where love is. That's where joy is. That's where peace is. That's where forgiveness is. That's where goodness is. That's where the fruit of the spirit is all deposited in you. But God doesn't want that peace to just be deposited in you. He wants it to get now into your thinking and into your emotions. Until it gets into your thinking, you will never change the behavior until you change the way you think of that behavior. That's why I'm totally against, well, I'm a drug addict, and I'll always be a drug addict, or I'm a burnout, and I'm only going to be this here, I'm an abuser, and I'll always be that. No. No, that's who I was, but this is who I am. And until you understand who it is that you are, you will never break out. Now, listen to this here. The work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect, the effect means the result, the consequence, the power to reproduce, the power to produce. The power to influence, the power to make an impression in. If you have a mold in the spirit, this is what the mold looks like. But then what happens, you put that imprint inside. Did you know you've been born again with the very imprint of God inside of your DNA? Did you know you can't get more righteous than you already are? You can't get more of God's peace inside of your spirit than you already have. Let me tell you another stuff. You can't get more of faith than what you already have because God already put the faith inside. But what happens when you hear God's word, it's awakened by hearing and hearing by the word of God over and over and over. Now listen, he says, the perk of righteousness, it will be peace. And the effect of righteousness will be quiet, quietness, quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell, will remain, will ponder in a peaceful habitation in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. And everybody said amen. Now, this is the crux of what I want to share with you today. I've pastored now for 44 years. Started off in ministry within six months, was teaching and within here, pulpit ministry, running a youth ministry, was into it, delved into the Word of God, got into it, would spend hours and hours and hours, cut off all the distractions and everything, never went to a movie, never turned the TV on, and never watched a, a, read a newspaper for almost three years. And all I did was bathe myself, not in just books, but I bathed myself in the Bible. And got the foundational truths on the inside of me. Got the in him realities. I took Hagan's little book called In Him and took all 141 of the in hims. In him we have redemption through his blood. In him we have forgiveness of sins. Come on. In him we have access to the throne of grace. And took all 141 and memorized them. But not just in my mind. But I got those words deep inside of my heart. And they've been the anchor of my soul that's kept me these here 44 years of going forward in God. Now, listen, listen carefully to what I'm going to say. Forgiveness and peace go hand in hand. What do I mean by that? Turn up, if you will, the book of Luke chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 46 in the Amplified Bible. In Luke 7, 46, forgiveness and peace go hand in hand. Now, listen, the devil is a strategist. The devil knows those people that we shared about He knows it could be your spouse at times. It could be your kids. It could be a co-worker. He could be a friend. He knows the people that he can use to spring a trap inside of your life and get you to react. If he gets you to react, he's got you now in the bait. And I call it, you know, I heard John Bevere say, the bait of offense, and I believe in that, but I really believe there's the bait of reaction that causes the offense to be the trap. So reaction is the thing that steals your peace, that damages or paralyzes the emotion of peace on the inside of you. And then that reaction will lead to an offense. That reaction will lead to offense. That reaction will lead to bitterness. That reaction will get you unforgiving. Come on. So the writer says in Luke 7, 46, therefore, I tell you, her sins, many as they are, are forgiven her. I'm in Luke 7, 46, the Amplified. And it says, because she has loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, to the woman, he said, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? But Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Isn't it amazing? Listen, it's not our praying. It's not our crying out. It's not our fasting. It's not our giving. This, but it's our faith in giving. It's our faith in fasting. It's our faith in praying. It's our faith in serving. Come on that connects you with God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'll tell you, I do a lot of traveling across the church in Canada, and I'm more concerned about losing the element of faith in the church world than anything else, because faith is your springboard into the presence of God. Faith is what gets your prayers answered. Faith gives you access to go boldly. Faith gives you understanding of your righteousness. Faith gives you your identity. Faith brings you into a secure place. Faith is a proclamation. Faith is decreed. It's always got a voice. it's always spoken. And when it's spoken from a heart of faith, the enemy trembles at that. Now listen, listen. The writer says, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. If you haven't learned this, that your bitterness can hold other people back from getting into their forgiveness. The Bible says, whose sins you retain, those sins are retained. But whose sins you remit their sins are remitted. And until you understand the power that you actually have in, as the authority of the believer, yeah, we can use the name of Jesus against circumstance. We can use the name against against principalities and powers and the wicked spirits. We can use that name. But also, people are using it, using their authority against other believers by holding things and withholding love back. One of the scariest verses in the whole Bible is, 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 is when it says you don't love. And in the context of 1 John chapter 4, it speaks about to love less the unlovable. And God's saying, listen carefully, we need to not love less the unlovable, but if anything, we need to love more the unlovable. Because they're having a hard time loving themselves and stuck in their ruts. Come on now. And you'll never get them out just pointing the finger and pointing blame. But you will get them out by walking by the example and holding their hand and getting them up out of the rut. Pulling them out, putting a chain on the rut that they're in and pulling them out. And then take that chain off and let them go free. That's why the Bible says, "Bear ye one another's burdens. Identify with the least. Jesus identifies with the least, with the lost, and with the last. Come on, church. So the writer says, then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Now listen, we're getting into the cracks. Go to the next verse. But Jesus said to the woman, he said, your faith, it's in me the Amplified brings, your faith has saved you. Now he says something. Come on now. Go in peace. Come on, church. Go in peace. Come on. Free from the distress experienced because of sin. Go to the next verse. Go ahead, write down. And soon afterwards, Jesus began going around from one city and village. The Amplified brings us here out. It says, go, and then it's got the word enter because the proper tense of the word is in italics, and it literally says, go now, enter into peace. Somewhere in this woman's journey, she got out of peace. And Jesus said, listen, you're delivered now. Your faith has made you whole. You got your freedom now. The chains are broken, but girl, listen carefully. You go back. You go back, and you don't enter into peace now. You're going to go right back into the same circumstances, and what's going to happen? That button's going to be pushed, and it's going to trigger you again. So, girl, you got out of peace, but the answer now is go into peace. And he says the same thing in Luke chapter 8, 48, he says, And he said to her, Daughter, your faith, your confidence, your trust in me has made you well, Go enter into peace, untroubled, undisturbed, and well-being. What I've recognized and watched this over many, many years, people are running the race and they're doing so good and they're running real well. And then all of a sudden, the enemy, the strategist, plans something maybe months. I believe some strategies are even years. I believe some strategies, listen very carefully, are even decades. And he plans these things out and you don't even have aware, you're not even aware because all we're doing is living in the natural realm. We're not even aware that He has something planned in the spiritual realm. I remember years ago that there was a setup for myself because if the enemy can't touch you in, in sin, blatant sin, then how many know the enemy will also tempt you in the area of pride in your successes? And success breakthrough can be one of the greatest tools that the enemy can use against you to set you up also if you don't stay in the grace and humility of God's spirit that's another whole message I've been teaching a lot at leaders conferences but anyway so so here's here's the whole key have you ever thought about the enemy and his track the enemy and the pathway he has is to get you knocked out and the way that he gets you knocked out is to get you out of peace because if he can get your peace he's got your power if he gets your peace, he's got your anointing. Because the righteousness of God only works through faith. And listen very good. If he can get you into unrighteous activities, then guess what? He can short-circuit the power of God from manifesting in your life. If he can get you out of peace, he can hinder your provision. The Bible says when you go into the house of God and you give, and you come to that place in the service where you worship, and it says there you remember that your brother has ought against you. You don't have it against him, but your brother has ought against you. He said, hey, stop. Don't put your money in the bank. Don't give your money to the church. He said, go and be reconciled first to your brother and then come. There's couples that come to church and you're unreconciled in your marriage. You're unreconciled in your relationship and you're just throwing your money away and it's just going to the ground and it's got holes in the bank and you're wondering why it's not working for you and you get jealous and angry at others that it is working at and God's saying today, it's time to sew the bags up today and release the forgiveness of God, not from your heart, but from the depths of your head and then from what? Into your heart, and when it's from the heart, you're connecting with God on another whole level. And everybody said Amen. Yeah. Both cases, they get out of forgiveness, and in both cases, the diseases came. I don't have a, a chance, but if you want to go online, get at this book. It's called None of These None of These Diseases, and it's by Doctor McMillan. And Doctor McMillan is a physicist. Uh, is, is a um, is a medical doctor that has done incredible research on this entire subject of sickness and diseases and how it gets into the body. And he summarizes and he says some 80-some percent of all sicknesses and diseases is called from the area of unforgiveness and relationship breakdowns. Of all diseases that come in, to the human body it wears down on your spiritual immune system and then on your physical immune system and you're not able as the Bible says to resist the forces of darkness resist the strategies of the enemy resist the darkness resist the strife resist the chaos resist the disorder resist the unforgiveness resist the offense until you have the resistance going on the Bible says resist the devil and he the devil the accuser will flee from you if you're not resisting him then you're entertaining him and if you're entertaining him him, he has access into your life. Good preaching. Thanks for the shout. Why does God put such a strong emphasis on this emotion of peace? Because number one, it, it is completeness. There's nothing lacking and there's nothing missing when this emotion of peace is manifesting in your life. Number two, soundness. The Bible says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and come on, and... Uh, sound mind. Number three, it brings prosperity. Beloved, I desire above all things that thou mayest prosper prosper and be in health, even as as, or in like measure, as your soul, that's the emotion, of peace prospers. And then shalom speaks of healing and health. Confess your faults one to another, and then pray for one another. It's one thing to confess your faults to God. Why? Because God is the one that's going to forgive you. But when you confess your faults one to another, that's when God says, pray, and you'll be healed. I'll tell you, the secrecy is what the enemy wants you to bring about your sin. But when you openly disclose it in a small group or with a group of connection, of accountability, then the enemy no longer has the upper hand over your life. The secrecy is what he wants you to be in darkness in. And that was the thing that will paralyze you, that will stop you, and it's birthed in a spirit of fear. But I found out there's men and women that you can open up your struggles with and your hearts with that will believe God and stand with you. And it's no longer in secret. It's out in the open with them. And they're not there to condemn you or put you down but to release you into the capacity that God has for your life. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. I heard the Holy Spirit on the plane yesterday coming in from New Orleans. I want everybody to stand. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to WCF. I wrote it down. And he said, I hear Holy Spirit saying to WCF today. I'm typing it in as fast as I could. And we're in turbulence yesterday. It was a bit, all those storms and everything, and the plane's going like this. And I'm trying to type, so I had to give the, thank God for spell check. God says your faith has saved you. Go enter into peace and freedom from all the distresses that are experienced as a result of sin. And the Holy Spirit began to download and says, because you're trying to figure it, and you're trying to reason and rationalize it with your carnal mentality, you're stuck. And God's saying, apply the spiritual truth and you will see the release of God's peace in your heart. And he said, enter now into the freedom from the disquieting, from the oppressive thoughts of your emotions, from harmony in personal relations, from a pact or agreement to end hostility between those who have been at war. In other words, this is reckoning day. You don't have to stay at war any longer. The truce has already been made. The blood's already been shed. The cross is already raised up. And God says, it's time to reconcile. And then he says, freedom from agitation. Freedom from the absence of commotion or disturbances. He said, enter into harmony with God, each other, and self. And you know where I got all that from? I got that on my Webster's Dictionary online. See, some of you thought it was because of my doctorate degree. Had nothing because of that. I'm not more educated because of that. But I'm going to tell you, it's because that's what his word says about this. God said, enter into harmony with God. Enter into harmony with one another. But before you can do either one of them, you got to enter into harmony with yourself. you got to deal with the root issue of self-hatred that you're struggling with and the insecurity that you're struggling with. What kind of believers? Listen, God's done everything for you. And the Bible says we're complete in him. We're secure in him. And why are we struggling with so much insecurity today? It's because we're trying to be somebody that God never called us to be. We're trying to be like someone else. And God didn't give you a grace to be someone else. He gave you a grace to be who you are. And he can take your personality and can take your, your, your actions and he can mold them and he can adjust those and he can perfect them on the potter's wheel and come out with the process that you just like, that you'll like yourself. And everybody said amen. amen. And the last thing he said... He said, enter peace by breaking the authority of chaos over your life. And he said, you do that by speaking, by decreeing, and establishing that in your home, establishing that in your life, establishing that over your relationships. He said to tell the church it's time to wake up. He said, tell the church it's time to aggress. And he said to tell the church you're at war. And until you start putting your armor on, you're not going to effectively be able to resist the enemy on. Everybody say, put your loins girt about with truth. Come on. Say, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Say, I'm going to plant my feet in peace. I'm not getting out of peace. I'm planted in peace. You know, the, the writer of that actually speaks of killer shoes. And it speaks about a Roman soldier that had sandals on. And in the front of his sandals, he had between four and six inches of protruding spikes. And when they would do hand-to-hand combat with the other warriors, the Romans would always have their shields were connected one with another. That's why you need to be connected to the body. That's why you need to be connected to a small group, because you're connected one with another. And the enemy can hit maybe one, but man, the other ones are going to be on your left and right to pick you up. And so the sword went through a little slit that they actually had in the middle, which was the aggressive weapon. But also the other thing that they had was the shield usually covered from just below the knee all the way up to the top of their head. And the lower part where the shins are, there wasn't militaries that actually had the shield that went all the way down because they would be too heavy to carry. But what they did have was they were open. And so the Romans invented what they called the killer shoes. And the killer shoes had the four to six inch spikes that were out. And literally what they would do is they would kick the soldiers in the shins, they would kick, 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 kick. And some of you today need to take your shoes and start kicking the enemy around. He's under your feet. And start digging that thing into and knocking him down rather than letting him have the upper hand over your life. Everybody say, kick, 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 kick. Kick, 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 kick. kick, kick. Kick devil butt, come on. Kick that strife, kick that division, kick that self-hatred, kick that insecurity, kick that rejection. You think it's just you, no. It's the enemy planting seeds in your head. Father, as we partake of bread, we thank you that your brokenness brought us to the place of completeness, of wholeness in Christ. And God, as we partake of this today, May a spirit of faith rise up inside of everyone to quit fighting one another, but start fighting the forces that are released and opposed against us to knock us down, to take us out, to keep us out of the race of faith. Everybody say it together. By faith, I'm going to slay the giants. I'm going to destroy the strife. I'm going to destroy the power twins of hell. Competition. Kick comparison. Kick it out. No more in my life. I'm a new creation, and I like who God made me to be, not who others might say I am, but who God says who I am. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that serveth Christ in these things, righteousness, peace, and joy is acceptable, comes in to the favor, comes in to the agreement with what heaven is saying and what heaven is doing. In Jesus' name, we release the spirit of faith to rise up in every man and woman of God in the room. Partake of the bread. Say, Pastor Rick, Pastor Rick, today I came in here and I was stuck. Pastor Rick, I'm going out of here with a new fight. I'm going out of here today with a new authority. I'm going out of here today not fighting one another, getting it out of my home, getting it out of my church, getting it out of every relationship I have because I'm no longer going to sit on the fence. If that's you today, I want you to run down here right now and get down here right now because we're going to take this together because there's a root issue of forgiveness towards yourself that we got to deal with. So come on down, whoever you might be. Come on down. You want to fight that thing? You want to get rid of that thing? Just make your way down right now. Make your way down right now. Don't wait for the other person. Don't wait for your spouse. Don't wait for your uh, wife. Don't wait for your husband. Just make your way down right now. Don't worry about it. The ushers, you'll keep an eye on the purses and stuff just, just from the back, but just make your way down, and if you say, I- I'm tired, I'm not staying where I'm at, but I'm moving forward today, I'm breaking out of the chain, I'm breaking out of that stuff that's gone on too long, I recognize that there's a war going on, and I'm not in this here battle to lose, I'm not in this battle to stay steady, I'm on this battle to win, I'm on this this battle to overcome. I'm on this battle to aggress. I'm on this battle to overcome, to, to move forward. There's something about when you make a stand for God that God gets behold, and there's some of you, you're still paralyzed out there, and that fear has kept you from even stepping out now. You tell that devil where to go, and you just step out and come on down right now. Make your way closer to the front. Man, there's a blood covenant that you have, that I have today, and in that blood covenant, there's an authority. In that blood covenant, there's forgiveness in that blood covenant there's protection in that blood covenant is everything that you would ever have need of for the rest of your life and father thank you for the men and the women that are here right now and father i release a spirit of boldness on them I release the authority of heaven as an apostolic leader. I release that anointing upon them today to kick devil butt, to rise up with kingdom authority and say no more to the enemy, no more to the triggers of reaction, no more to the spirit of offense, no more to the past life. It's buried, it's gone in Christ. And like Paul, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Let us partake of the cleansing blood of the Son of God now and release the authority in Jesus' name. Everybody let out a shout right now to God. Let out a shout of praise. Let out the authority of heaven today that no longer are we bound to sin, but I am a child of God. Let it resonate inside in Jesus' name. High five five people around you. You are dismissed.